Welcome to the Shine Within Podcast. I'm your host, Gina Kunarian, and I am so grateful that you are here. I'm a wife, mother of three boys, certified massage therapist, and an alcohol-free sobriety coach who helps driven women break through their alcohol dependency without the traditional 12-step program. Each week, I will bring you inspiring guests with focus on mindset, health, and spirituality, providing you the tips and tools to help you create unshakable confidence, clarity, and energy so you can unleash your creative potential and live the life of your dreams alcohol-free. So tune in for some fun, and if you are ready to shine, welcome. Hello, lovely listeners. If you're finding value in what you're hearing today, make sure to head over to the show notes. Not only will you find more details on today's topic, but you'll also get an exclusive invitation to join my free Facebook group, Awakened Souls. This community is perfect for women who are either super curious or currently journeying through recovery. Being part of Awakened Souls offers a supportive environment where you can connect with like-minded women, all working towards an alcohol-free lifestyle. Plus... There are special free gifts waiting inside the show notes, (laughs) curated specifically to empower and assist you on your journey. And if you're loving the content, I'd be so grateful if you take a moment to rate this podcast. Your feedback helps me continue bringing you the conversations and insights you love. Let's keep the momentum going. And remember, you are not alone on this journey. I am here to help you every step of the way. Today we're diving into a story of resilience, transformation, and the power of the human spirit. Our guest, Siobhan Bulmer, author of Get Out and Stay Out, shares her incredible journey of escaping an abusive relationship while 34 weeks pregnant. Her story is not just one of survival, but of finding strength in the most challenging circumstances and rebuilding a life filled with hope and empowerment. Join us as we explore Siobhan's path to healing and how she turned her darkest moments into a beacon of light for others facing similar struggles. Stay tuned for an episode filled with courage, inspiration, and the reminder that it's never too late to reclaim your life. Wow, thank you so much, Siobhan, for joining me today. Yeah, thank you for having me. Of course, and if you don't mind just sharing your story and what led you to um, uh, writing the book? Well, it was actually my journey through therapy that actually you know, led me to start writing. So for me to start dealing with my trauma, um, because I was obviously um, diagnosed with PTSD, um, the way that I was working through the traumatic experiences um, through exposure therapy was through creative writing. Um, So I I was actually, a lot of the creative writing pieces within the book were actually pieces that I wrote through therapy um and then throughout the years you know I I started to string the pieces together of actually building up the courage to say you know when this happened this is what it made me feel like um usually in the beginning when you've just walked walked out you you're quite scared to actually say chronologically what's happened and how it happened and how you made me feel because you sort of feel like they're gonna jump out of a corner and 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 attack you um so just you know it's it's seven years now since I've walked out and it's I'm only now yeah it's only now at a space where I feel safe to actually string all the pieces together to and that's what I did with my book where I 
I took out my journal, my therapy journal, and I read through all the pieces and I was like, okay, you know, for example, the cracked heart piece when I was actually writing about, this is a very weird uh, part. When you start, when you leave the abusive relationship, you, there is a specific spot in your recovery journey where you start mourning the relationship and it's not the person that you mourn. It's, it's the, the hope and the wish and the everything's that you thought you could have had that you didn't have. Mm-hmm. That is what you mourn. Um, and I then decided, you know, I should actually start putting these pieces into a story to make sense of it. Yeah. And that's how then I started writing chronologically my story, how it happened, you know, what, every abusive incident and what happened after that and how it made me feel and that's how the piece came in so that's it's 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 sort of like the last feather in the cap of my of my healing journey of actually been of looking back of you know climbing a summit and looking down and being like you know this is actually how far you've come and and the journey that you've walked but in summary of the book, um, I decided to walk out of an extremely abusive relationship at 34 weeks pregnant. Wow. I moved to a different town. And three weeks after moving um, to, to Cape Town in South Africa, I gave birth to my beautiful oldest daughter. Mm. And two weeks before giving birth, I actually had Bell's palsy set in the right side of my face because mm. of all the trauma. So I couldn't actually smile at her on her first day of birth and um, gave birth to her. And then I made the mistake thinking that I had to let him know that she was born and that he had to see her in the hospital. So he did come and see her on the day that she was born and he still threatened for when she was four hours old and he threatened to take her away from me because I didn't want to go back into the relationship with him. And that started the whole legal um journey of trying to keep myself and my daughter safe so that was I'd say about a two almost three year journey mm-hmm. but after after giving birth I went for a um a job interview six days after giving birth and I landed myself a job started work when my daughter was seven weeks old And that obviously gave me the finance to be able to fight the legal battles. But within the legal battles that obviously I had to get the professionals involved because, you know, I didn't want her to be exposed unnecessarily to the danger that I knew that he was capable of. Um, And that's how the professionals were able to diagnose that he wasn't safe at all Mm. and that he had to go through a whole string of therapy before he was even allowed supervised visitations which um he didn't complete um and through my and then I was obviously assigned therapy because I was diagnosed with PTSD which I was more than happy to do because obviously I didn't want to emotionally harm my daughter in any way I wanted to be able to be a a whole enough mum to be able to allow her to develop emotionally sound enough um and also to heal myself because I didn't you know when something traumatic like that happens to you you know it's you you should want to face 
those traumatic memories because they just hinder you. They just, they just, they drag you down. If you don't, if you don't face them and you don't address them and you, and you take the power away from them, you know, and, and you take your power back um, because night terrors are horrible. <laughs> you know, anxiety is awful. Oh, yeah. Depression, depression is, 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 is horrible. And to live in a, in a day-to-day situation where those things are actually ruling or having so much power over your peace and over your happiness was not a reality that I wanted to be in. Mm-hmm. So I placed a lot of energy into um, therapy. And um, thankfully, I've been through therapy. I've healed from PTSD, anxiety, and depression. I do still have trigger points, but you know, therapy has taught me um, at least coping mechanisms with when I do get triggered, I'm able to at least um, manage the situation that I don't go into a full-blown anxiety attack. But because I've been able to, you know, heal, I've met a wonderful man um, who I've now married and he's adopted my eldest daughter. We've had a daughter together and, you know, I've found the happy day ever after. So, you know, there, there is life after abuse and there is happiness after abuse. It just takes a lot of work to get there. And it just, you know, it's, it's, it's a very big mountain that you've got to climb, but you've got to be willing to climb it. And it's worth every single step taking. And it's not easy climbing. But once you get there, it's the peace is just phenomenal. Yes. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. And, you know, I've dealt with abusive relationships as well. And I myself, unfortunately, was the abuser at some point too, whether it's emotionally, even like physically what I'd push. And a lot of it was all stemmed up from anger and Mm. childhood trauma and all that. So I appreciate that you're actually written this book. So other people who are actually experiencing what you have experienced, or starting to see the early warning signs, they can go ahead and get inspired and see what steps you took to go ahead and get yourself out of that situation and live a completely different life. Now, I was actually reading yeah. a little bit of your of your introduction and you, uh, can you actually tell us about the metaphor you use in your book, comparing the, the psychopaths, quote, quote, to spiders and their yeah. butterflies and what inspired this analogy? Well, well, my ex was actually diagnosed as a psychopath. So, so, so this, so this is very much, my book is very much written, um, very close to, to my, um, set of circumstances that I was dealing with, but my introduction, so my creative writing that I wrote, I use a lot of metaphors, Mm -hmm. um, partly because, especially when you do read further onto the book, when I start speaking, you know, um, using metaphors to be able to describe depression, anxiety, or even just happy, happiness, sadness, it does help other people to be able to relate or understand to a situation if they've never experienced, for example, anxiety, mm-hmm. being able to use a metaphor that they might be able to understand. Now, for example, like a, a butterfly being tangled in a spider web, we've all seen it mm-hmm. in a geographical um you know, video that we've watched. We can understand that the spider, you know, is hungry, spun a web, 
and the butterfly is most 100% distressed being in that wave. It does not yeah, want yeah. to be eaten. <laughs> the little wings are flying. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. like, I don't want to be here. Yeah. <laughs> so, 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 you know, and in that point, you, you know, you can definitely from the butterfly's point understand that it is a very stressful situation and you can understand that the butterfly definitely feels stuck because the web is something that is sticky for the, for the wings um, so those th- those that's one of the reasons why I, I use metaphors is that if you've never been in a situation or experienced it, the metaphor at least helps you to be able to relate, um, to be able to understand, to bridge the gap of understanding, to bring awareness. Now, my introduction that I wrote was specifically how I felt my life change with how I was isolated mm-hmm. um, because often, you know, I got the question of, Oh, if he was so abusive, why didn't you just leave? Mm-hmm. The, the, situ- the thing is he wasn't, he wasn't so abusive in the beginning. It wasn't like in, like in the beginning, it, right. it was, it was like a snowball effect. It slowly became abusive. Like it started with the controlling, situations of you know who am I talking to where where am I going why am I seeing these people I don't like them stop being friends with them you know Mm -hmm. and then it started and then it started with the passive aggressive comments and then it started with the you know the comments the this disrespectful comments in front of his group of friends that when we eventually Mm -hmm. went home I'd say you know that really hurts and he was like oh that's a joke you know um and then every time you forgive it's like to him, it was, ah, oh, okay, I, I managed to push the boundary just a little bit further, just a little bit further. And eventually it cascaded to a point where it was just complete chaos, where it was, I was complete, I had none of my original friends, I barely saw my family, mm-hmm. and my immediate family, my mum and dad had already moved out of the, I had moved to a different town at that point in time, because my dad got a job in a different town. And that's when it really got bad. That's when that's when it actually turned physical. Mm. Um, and then I did, I felt emotionally, I felt like I was trapped in a web and I was tangled in it. And it and it felt like, you know, he was he was feeding off me when when he, you know, had his abusive outbreaks. So it was a very scary time um, because you you get to to a point where you're so scared that you don't know how to get out of it because it doesn't matter what you do they they're they're so aggressive. So I mean, you could make him a cup of coffee and he'd he'd smack you, you know. Wow. So yeah. So I mean, it, it was it it was a very scary time. I mean, one of the, one of the abusive incidences was, I mean, he locked me in a cupboard for three days, for example. So, yeah. So, I mean, I write about that incident in the book. It's called uh, dark and alone. Um, That's the creative writing piece that I write talking about that incident. So, um, so he, he was quite an extreme abuser Mm-hmm. Um, and the way, and and what, and the reason why I wrote the book was I wanted to bring awareness that even if it doesn't have to be as extreme as what my abuse is, it can just be verbal. It can just be, you know, emotional. 
and you don't have to accept that behavior because you your worth is your worth and you don't have to sacrifice that and if someone is not going to respect you and your worth you don't have to give your worth up and you deserve to be respected mm-hmm. so my whole point is to create awareness and to bring encouragement and hope that you can change your circumstances. And if I can do it, being in the worst possible circumstance, mm-hmm. you know, it most certainly can be done. It's just not an easy road. It's not meant to be easy. Nothing in life that's worth it is easy. Totally. It's so true. Now, um, what actually was that pivotal moment that you gave, you know, that you had that strength just to break free from that relationship? Yeah, so I was 34 weeks pregnant and 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 he, he had hit me pretty bad. Um, and I felt my little girl kick in my tummy. And I and he had left and I lay on the bed and I just cried. I sobbed. I sobbed like I'd I hadn't you know that heart cry sob where you, you you're oh, crying yeah. you crying from your soul. Yeah. <laughs> you you are you know, your, your cells are crying and I, I'm a Christian. I, I believe in, in Jesus and yeah. I just cried out. I just cried out to God. I said, God, I, I know I haven't spoken to you for a while. I know I've wandered from you, but I need your help. I, mm. I need your help. Please help me. I don't know what to do. I, this is not what Alexia deserves. I don't want her to know this. Like, what do I do? I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And I just, I heard God call out to me. I just heard Siobhan. And it was this incredible silence that it it was just the most beautiful sound that I just knew that I had to, I had to pay attention to whatever was going to happen next because the doors were going to open for me to be able to, to, to move. And the next day, so that was a Sunday, the Monday I went to work and they were offering voluntary separation packages. Mm. And I applied for the voluntary separation package and my manager to call me in and say, look, we don't really want to let you go because you're a good worker. And then I disclosed what I was actually dealing with at home. And I said, look, I, I need this because it's going to fund me to be able to go to my mom and my dad. Um, and then they approved it. And that, gave me the finances to be able to um, fund my, my move. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't, I didn't tell my ex about it. Um, he was working in an industry where he needed to work out of town quite often. So I waited for him to do his next out of town work where he was working out of town for three days. And I literally packed my stuff up in three days <laughs> left the keys in the post office I mean the post box and I was gone amazing oh yeah you remind me of the story of when I was uh drinking severely in my car and I just didn't want to live that life anymore because it was destroying everything I -hmm. called out to God too I was like God you know I believe in Jesus. I'm a follower of Jesus I is my mentor (laughs) he's everything so thank you for bringing Jesus up um I said, God, I cannot live like this anymore. Like, I can't. I need your help. And then, not soon after, I had to be hospitalized for pancreatitis, and that was in, it. Was I'm actually sorry. at a faith-based hospital that I, I stayed at. Uh, 
ironically. <laughs> and I actually got treated there, detox and everything. And then changed my whole life after that. That was about six years That's ago. Amazing. Yeah. And so I really, truly believe when you call out to God, he's there. No, he he's there, there all the time. All the yeah. time. And he's been there. And it's just, we just sometimes like, we forget like okay yeah we're stubborn yes we're stubborn (laughs) we want to do it our way (laughs) until it doesn't work anymore and then that's it we're like we give up we can't do anything else right (laughs) so I totally um I feel you on that and that's so beautiful that you shared that with me now um I know you had mentioned about therapy and that was part of your healing journey is there anything else you did to heal and just to rediscover yourself and uh, what are some key steps you actually took? Well, I think the big thing was, you know, definitely, and I think a lot, a lot of where this is where a lot of women struggle in being able to break the cycle is being able to one hundred percent cut off. Like I cut him off. Like I didn't communicate with him. I didn't like any communication that he that he had was his lawyer to my lawyer. So there was no messaging between him and me. And I think, and I honestly believe that was probably the saving grace because it stopped the poison. They, they are so good at how they manipulate and they are so good at how they, to an extent, mind control. Mm-hmm. So when you, when you're able to break that and you're, on your own and in a safe space. So I, I went to my parents and they were able to give me, I'm blessed that I have parents that are safe and are, have a safe environment, had a safe environment for me to, to recuperate in. I was able to start hearing my own thoughts again. I was able to start thinking my way again, you know, because, because you lose yourself completely. You, I mean, you're, you you become a shell of yourself. Yeah. Um, so that was definitely a big key factor. The second key factor was obviously my parents being healthy and safe and sound people because they spoke affirmation into me, you know, and obviously being believers themselves, they prayed over me, they prayed into the situation. Um, and then the third would be therapy. Um, I had very good therapists who were also believers and you know we 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 really took the bull by the horn and we read right to to the situations that needed to be to be dealt with Mm -hmm. so you know it's it's really you have to face for the lack of a better um description it's like you really have to face those demons you've got to you know you've got to call them out and you've got to and you've got to become you know and you've really got to stand with the lord and say, you know, you're my savior. You, I'm wanting healing. Please heal me. This is what needs to be healed. I'm willing to walk the healing journey. Mm-hmm. And then you've got to walk the healing journey. You know, you've really, you've got to address what needs to be addressed and you've got to change what needs to be changed. I mean, it's no good saying that you want to change being an alcoholic, but you still drink. Right. The same. It's the same with an abusive relationship. It doesn't, it doesn't help that you want to change your circumstances and not be an abusive relationship, but you're still talking to the person who's abusive towards mm-hmm. you. So, I mean, yes, there are, there are women out there that are unfortunately in co-parenting relationships where with an abuser 
and it's a bit more difficult to be cut off from them. So I was not married to my ex. So the whole legal situation changes completely having a, you know, having to be in contact with them or not. But those circumstances where, you know, you, where you were married and now you're co-parenting because you're divorced, you could still set up a very strict boundary and how to communicate and when to communicate. And even if it has to stay through a lawyer, Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's all about boundaries right. um, because, because of how, how they attack you. And, and that was, that was definitely one of my, my biggest things. I mean, I remember my first week being with my mum and, and my dad. It, uh, my ex was a heavy smoker as well. Mm-hmm. And she washed my clothes for me. And I remember my clothes coming out, my mum was hanging it in my cupboard and I was like, oh, mommy, my, my clothes smell so nice. They smell so nice. And I got changed and then we were having a cup of tea on the on the little patio and then she's like, what are you thinking? And I was like, you know, mommy, I'm actually just thinking nothing right now. I'm actually just listening to the birds. Mm-hmm. And it was just a profound moment of how noisy they make your mind mm. of so much lies mm-hmm. of you know you're not good enough or you're fat or you're ugly or whatever nonsense they put on there they, they make your mind so noisy that when you eventually break away and you actually do get in a peaceful situation how peaceful it is mm-hmm. that my mind was actually quiet for the first time in a very very long time and that was a very profound moment Wow, what a like liberating feeling just to feel that mind of yours just feel free from all of that chatter, that negative talk. Because we start taking on that. The more we hear it, the more we feel like it's gonna it's true. Mm. That is yeah, the birds are beautiful, aren't they? (laughs) They are. They are very beautiful. (laughs) Yeah. I I love hearing the chirping. I love all nature. I love everything. And that's what actually helped Mm. me in my healing journey was being out in nature. I love that Mm. so much. Mm. Now, um, what message would you like to give someone who might be feeling like either trapped or a similar situation uh as you had? You are worthy. Don't let anyone else make you feel otherwise. You are worthy yeah and that's you know and i think that's and that's whether you're an alcoholic or a drug addict or an abusive relationship or a rape victim or a domestic violence survivor or someone who's wanting to take your life because you want to you're someone who self-harms i think the biggest message is is that you are worthy and that god does love you he just loves you for you you don't have to do anything you just you and he loves you for you and that's enough absolutely and lastly what's actually next for you because both as an author and as a champion Um, for change in the narrative around (laughs) abusive relationships what's next so i am writing another uh, so this is a one part in a three series so it's get out and stay out then the next book i'm writing is, i'm busy with at the moment is called living rewired because it is proven that um living under abuse under an extensive period of time does rewire your brain 
Um, so if, if I had to go for an MRI, my brain physiologically looks different to someone that hasn't lived under an abusive situation for a long period of time. Um, even though I've gone for therapy, there, like I said, there's trigger points. So what I'm wanting to do with uh, Living Rewired is to bring awareness to the, the challenges that someone faces like me, but also to normalize it, to be like, you know what? Hey, this is your new normal. It's okay. Yeah. You know, life's a bit boring. It's okay to be a little bit weird, yeah. you know? And um, then the third one is to be called um, learning how to fly, but fly capital letters. And then in brackets, first love yourself because I first had to love myself before I met David. Um, and you know, and that's, and that's would be my journey in its entirety. So get out and stay out living rewired and then, um, learning how to fly. I AKA first love yourself. Um, although I have gotten a feedback from one of my followers on Instagram on get out and stay out. And they were like, I need to write, get out and stay out as a fiction version based in the middle evil times very over dramatized <laughs> and I and I need to have like a killing off version of the abuser and I was like whoa okay maybe I don't know <laughs> you think, I know right and you're gonna be like oh medieval times <laughs> yeah so so I'm, I'm I'm playing around with that idea I don't think it's terribly a bad idea because you know for me it's if it's whatever medium I can use to touch a section of people's lives. And if I can write a book that that section of people would, it would touch those people's lives, then great. Cause it's all about one person's life that needs to be changed. Right. And um, for, as far as my Instagram and TikTok, um, I've created a character called Shavella and she, cre- she represents the trauma brain. And basically what I do on TikTok and Instagram is I just blog about the challenges that one faces before getting out of an abusive relationship, mm-hmm. after getting out of an abusive relationship, and even seven years after getting out of an abusive relationship. It's just yeah. to normalize it. It's like, you know what? It's not always rainbows and sunshine. It's not right. meant to be rainbows and sunshine. It's okay. It's not always rainbows and sunshine because you know what? There is sometimes a rainbow and when it's there, it's beautiful. Right. Absolutely. After the storm, there's always the rainbow and in, uh, above those clouds, there's still the sunshine. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, where can um, our listeners follow you and find you? What is your Instagram? You said in TikTok handle. Yeah, so they both at Make Room for Yourself 07. I've kept it quite simple. (laughs) (laughs) And then to find your book as well. Yes, so my book is on Amazon. It's Get Out and Stay Out, but the link is on both of my bios um, on Instagram and and on TikTok. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Siobhan, for sharing your incredible story because it's very difficult to be, be vulnerable and share your story, but it's so important because everyone has a message it's like our mess is our message and it will help others who are going through the same thing and thank you for giving me the platform to do this and you're just as amazing with your story thank you you. (laughs) thank you to my cherished listeners from the very depths of my heart 
Thank you. Every single one of you who've showered me with those warm five-star reviews, your kindness shines so brightly. And if you haven't yet, know that your voice and support always matter. Your unwavering love has lifted us onto Feedspot's esteemed list of best women's sobriety podcasts. And it truly warms my heart. With immense love and care, I've created something for you as well. Introducing the Overcoming Challenges mini course, crafted especially with the intention to guide and support you through life's varied phases, because we all deserve gentle guidance as we navigate life's tides. Furthermore, I have two heartfelt gifts for our listener family. One is a seven-day challenge, a tender beginning for those curious about sobriety, and the other, a personal sharing from my journey, six-step blueprint to an alcohol-free life. This encapsulates the loving steps I took, I embraced beyond AA and the traditional 12 steps that have nurtured my own sobriety journey. To embrace these tokens of gratitude and love, simply text GIFT, that's G-I-F-T, to 1855-649-6196. Again, that's G-I-F-T at 1855-649-6196. With all my love and deepest gratitude, I cherish each and every one of you.